darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping, and the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. While we were both wrong, um, I said live on the radio, Duchesne would. Would not sign for less than nine and a quarter. And I figured that put him away from Nashville. And at the cost of the greatest human being in Nashville hockey history. PK just Subban. a small price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, just one Subban. One legend. You know, took the team to the freaking cup final. Whatever. I mean, best player in the playoffs last year for the Preds, too. I'm not upset about it. Especially after Pecorini's last game. Well, how about that uh, turnover, though, in game two? I don't even remember. You know, uh, I don't either. I just assumed there was one, and that's that's an argument against... um, Anyway, I know... turnovers. I've had a lot of time. We've we've taken a couple months off. Yeah. Um, A lot of time to process. I've been meditating a lot. Yep, yep. Working on my breathing. Yeah. Um... Playing some Xbox, you know, things that other things that rile me up. Yeah. Just to distract me from the fact that Subban is gone. And in New Jersey of all places, uh, who by the way are killing it this I offseason. I mean, does it surprise you they hire Matt Kane and then they hire uh oh man, I forget his name. The guy that the analytics guy that no one likes. Oh um, oh geez. Dello. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and they hire Dello and all of a sudden know. they just start they start turning the, the that ship around. Granted Jack Hughes helps, but Yeah, but they just they haven't they have not uh, taken the summer off, which certain teams seem to be doing. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, no, so I've had time well, to mellow out. I mean, how can you be active in free agency when you have a bottom six center designed to a six-year deal? Yeah, we got <laughs> it's a long arbitration process. Mm-hmm. It takes everybody to focus 100%. Um, anyhow, so I've had time to relax, be a little less negative about Subban leaving. I think I my my most... My least hottest take, my coldest take about this whole process is that I do admire the fact, even though I don't necessarily agree with the, the way it was gone about, the Predators did have a goal of a player they wanted, and they made it happen, which I feel like that doesn't happen very often with free agents in Nashville. There's, they yeah. seem to have a lot of trouble. Um, like, you know, sort of half-joking, all it cost was their best player, but, you know, best skater, I guess. And, of course, those were different transactions, which I do like to point out, because Subban was traded for nothing, truly. I mean, would you count a borderline eighth defenseman and a B prospect in a second-round pick nothing? Well, for a team that has, like, four eighth defensemen <laughs> rostered at any given moment, yes, I do consider that nothing. Uh, but Duchesne, um, you know, as we saw last year, especially with Turris being either injured or invisible for a good portion of the season although he did i will i will argue start to turn it around towards the end of the season uh secondary scoring was a massive massive issue for nashville so i would be shocked if the addition of duchene doesn't at least move that in the right direction so yeah you, you hope he gets i mean you, you hope he adds 20 goals 25 goals and i think a lot but a lot of people though are, are talking about those that how he's going to help turn around that power play 
I don't necessarily see that as a player personnel issue. I mean, yeah. Kyle Turris was still great on the power play, even though no one else around him could score. Well, and that's, I mean, it's, it feels like it's been years since the new, this new assistant coach was signed. Um, and I think that we, yeah, I agree with you. I think that the, the signal of, of the coaching change in that, in the power play, I think will have more effect than any personnel. Yeah, um, I'm still a little. Hopefully. I'm still a little worried though because the team that he was hired off of, the Spokane Chiefs, had Ty Smith, probably the best power play quarterback in the entire like CHL, not even yeah. just the WHL, but like maybe even junior hockey in general. Yeah, but, you know, we'll we'll see. Was that a was that a cause or was that an effect of you know the coaching? Yeah, and we talked. I think we talked a little bit about that with uh, Chris Martell. Mm-hmm. Um, a few months ago, is that was my concern. Is like, yeah, you see that he had what a th- like a thirty percent power play with Spokane last yeah. year, but then you look and that was such an isolated value. Like the year before and the year before that, I think the teams he was coaching were below average for whatever league that might they might have been in because he hopped around a little bit. Mm-hmm. I guess he was with uh, Rochester. Yeah, he was with the Buffalo Sabres organization for yeah. a while. Anyhow, so I don't know. I don't know really what the power play. I don't know if it'll be any different at all. Um, I don't. Again, I'll, I'll reiterate. There's really no reason for them to try to retain any of it. So I'd say if you if this new coach has any ideas and if Duchesne has an idea and if the players want it done differently, Craig Smith. Yeah, you're so critical, Craig. What do you? Let's see what you have to say about it. Let him coach. Let him quarterback it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm yeah. just saying, like, no idea is a bad idea anymore because yeah. it was. It cannot get worse. Anyway, why are we talking about the power play? Yeah. Ugh. How are we in the weeds already? Because it's so bad that you just you gravitate towards it. Everyone, gra- uh, everyone's gravitated towards it. Years of therapy, just months of therapy, just undone. <laughs> just screw it. Yeah. Ruin. it. Anyhow, Matt Duchesne. So you say twenty twenty five goals is, well, is. I mean, he's gonna be playing second line minutes. I imagine he's probably gonna get a pretty easy defensive workload, kind of a la what Kevin Fiala and Kyle Turris and Craig Smith got last year. You have to imagine he's gonna be on a line with Craig Smith and um, and Mikhail Gramland, which will which will help. But I wouldn't be shocked if he had twenty five goals and twenty five assists somewhere on that fifty point mark. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it is an interesting question to think about how the the line matching will go. Uh, as you pointed out, historically that second line has in Nashville has been very sheltered. At least, at least in terms of the zone start ratios. Not, I, I don't. I'm not exactly sure if that's purely consistent with like the quality of the opponent, but definitely they are consistently getting like seventy plus percent in the offensive zone. So I don't think that's a I mean, I would say that's probably a recipe for success with Duchesne. Um, I think, yeah, and then play the, to his strengths exactly. And and you know, you're bringing this guy in to score and to create offense. I don't think they need to try to force him into a defensive role. I mean, he's not a great defensive player necessarily. Like as, as even as centers go, he's fairly bad. Yeah, but and that's fine. You don't. His offense offense is harder to do than defense. Like it's harder to create offense than his. To be a good defensive. Oh, player, I can so. I can attest to that as a yeah. as a beer league defenseman. It's a lot easier to mess stuff up than yeah. to make stuff happen. So yeah. I get. I mean, I, I don't want to insult any defensemen out there who try very hard. But, uh, I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I, he's not brought. Like I don't think anyone should pretend that they're bringing him in to make it this a stalwart two way offense. He's there to create 
scoring. And I think that he's not a bad option. I don't really, I don't know. There's obviously a whole lot of emphasis put on this thing that he was wanted to play in Nashville forever and the teams wanted to have him forever. Apparently, what what came out that they almost made the deal happen with Subban, I believe, like two years ago? I can't remember exactly. Which would have been like was. Subban was brand new to the team. And yeah. they were almost dealt. It sounds like they nearly dealt him for Duchesne then. I can't. I don't know what would have been a worse deal. Right. Well, and and probably actually would have been worse because I think at that point Duchesne was still in Colorado. Yes. And Duchesne, Duchesne was horrible. Yeah. yeah Trading Subban to a divisional right. rival is never a good idea. Yeah. Although it does make your point of why didn't they just fork over the extra draft pick and, and get Duchesne instead of tourists? You know, yeah. we'll never know. But anyhow, so, yeah, offense is hopefully somewhat solved. Um, I of mean, course, that, those, that winging group is not looking that great after, after the second line. Well, and that's the other point, aside from line matchups, is the line composition of the team itself. So what would you say this second line would look like in your ideal scenario? Well, in my ideal scenario, I definitely think that uh, Mikhail Granlin's spot is secure. I think Matthew Shane's spot is secure. I've heard people talk about putting Turris on that line, but I don't think it necessarily makes all that much sense. Uh, Turris is a great passer, but doesn't shoot the puck quite nearly enough, kind of like Brian Johansson, but not as good. Yeah. Uh, and putting putting him with a with two other passers like Duchesne and and Gramlin doesn't seem like a great idea. It seems like you need a volume shooter, kind of like what Arvidsson is to Forsberg and Johansson. And so I putting Smith there, who just shoots everything that comes into his grasp, is probably a good idea. It's a good recipe for him to get another 20 or 25 goals. And we know he's good for it. I mean, in a year where there was no secondary scoring, he still put up 20. Yeah, I, I didn't look into this quite as much as a lot of people have, but I did definitely notice that Smith, like, really no one... No real, like no reasonable top six option for Nashville has anywhere near the shooting, like the shot production yeah. of Craig Smith. And I agree, a tourist especially is, is average at best in terms of generating shots. Obviously, he's a very good passer, but I think that it, there is something to the fact that you need a bit of diversity on that second line. You need the kind of the playmakers and also just, you know, basically Craig Smith, who's going to shoot every <laughs> option he gets or every opportunity he gets. And you know, there's something admirable admirable about that. He's it doesn't always work. He takes a lot of bad shots, but he is takes shooting. a lot of good shots. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, if you you know if you shoot all the time, one of them's going to work out every now and then. So yeah. and when you look at like Corey Schneider's data as well, like you see that Duchesne is a very good player in transition, and he can definitely move a line from the defensive to the offensive zone, even if he won't be starting in the defensive zone all that much. And Kyle Turris actually excels there too. And with players like that, sometimes you kind of want one guy to be the guy to be the puck mover just because yeah it's kind of like what happened and this is obviously to an extreme uh state but where they had taylor hall and conrick david online edmonton which i know very it's a huge jump in talent but yeah. some guys just want the puck in their hands and when they don't yeah and they're not able yeah. to have it that's fair it messes with, with how they move and how they play and that is something actually that um you know, I, at first I was pretty upset about the loss of Subban just because I, f- I feel like it was another example in his career of his his contributions just being completely misunderstood and underestimated. Well, but he was a below he was a below replacement level player, Michael. I haven't just you? Don't understand any of that. I'll be honest with you. Anyhow, well, I I think I've actually kind of 
not figured it out, but I understand. I mean, they use the NHL play-by-play tool. They're not using a lot of the stats that we were tracking as far as, like, transition stats, uh, puck battles went along the boards, and then even, like, passes allowed to the slot. I mean, it was purely just where shots were coming from, and, you know, that that will account for the pass that came to the slot, but it won't account for the two passes that Subban blocked. It explains, it apparently points to the fact that Ryan Ellis is, like, twice the player that P.K. Subban is, which... I think, I mean, Nick Benino is twice the player that... Ryan Johansson is, which I... Right. I mean, you just... You, how do you argue? Yeah. How do you even argue that? Anyhow, what, where I did start to finally kind of turn around and, and start to look at this this essentially trade um, as a positive was when I noticed... So Suvan, as we've talked about a, to a great extent, kind of the, the key element to Suvan's play for me was his zone transition, especially exiting the defensive zone, which makes sense as a defenseman, mm-hmm. uh, with possession. He was called on to do it more than any of his teammates, and he did it more successfully than most everyone in the league. So that's going to be missed. But for basically every percentile point that he has exiting the defensive zone, Duchesne has in entering the offensive zone. So it will be different. And I wrote a little bit about this about a month ago. It will be different. I don't know how they will balance it. Basically, on paper, you would expect Nashville to have more trouble exiting the defensive zone, but have more success entering the attacking zone once they're there. And I don't know. I mean, if you think like our most recent play, you know, example of of the Predators is their atrocious series against Dallas, where they literally could not maintain possession of the puck past at the goal line. I mean, it was atrocious. So the only play that could successfully get out of the zone was. With Subban, and even Yossi, who's very, very good at exiting the zone with possession, yeah. had a lot of trouble. And that was thanks to a really good forecheck from Dallas. But, I mean, he had no help from Al- from Ellis, and a lot of times the forwards would, would have already flooded the zone before. Yeah. So that worries me because, I mean, we saw, like, it completely stymied their offense. The fact that they – I mean, it makes sense. They literally could not exit the defensive zone with the puck. You're not going to create much down the ice. So I'm a little concerned that they then also got, traded away – their most successful player in that regard um, but Duchesne's I mean that's something that I just place a lot of value on is is your ability to move the puck between the zones and Duchesne is a pretty exceptional player in zone entries at least um, and good across the board He's, he doesn't really have a weakness in that area so yeah. I could argue that Torres isn't necessarily that much worse but you know at this point Duchesne does more when he's in the offensive zone right I guess it could be a case, is he $2 million better than Torres? And that's a whole nother deal. Yeah, and that's another, I mean, you, we, we're talking about this lineup, obviously, like it's set, or at least this roster, like it's set, but there's still time to make some moves, and, and sort of strangely for the Predators, now they seem to have a bit of a surplus of centers, um, <laughs> probably for the first time in their history. So, I'm... Uh, I kind of roll my eyes at this because I think a lot of people want tourists on that second line because they don't like trying to justify a $6 million third-line center. To me, that doesn't really matter as much as the overall success of the team, the overall production of the offense. If I, can't, the, I can't really justify a $4 million fourth-line center. Exactly, well, yeah, fair. I have trouble justifying this particular $4 million third-line center. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to me, it it's... a play up to code, yeah. To me, it just doesn't... If the entire offense is producing well... At a high level, I I care. I mean, this makes a lot of this is pretty obvious, but yeah. I care a lot less about the dollar amounts of each individual. 
So six million or less, or whoever's taking on this third line center role. Uh, I just hope that the team improves. I mean, again, I have to admire the team, the, the organization as as much as I kind of give them shit. They recognized a severe lacking of this team, and they went and got one of the league's you know premier free agents to help help address it. So. The uh, the the depth pieces will kind of fall as they do, but and I think that I would I really wouldn't be surprised if they do deal one of these centers. I mean, it would open up cap space because like right now all they have is one point three three four million. Like that's not really much to deal with. I mean, if you if you get rid of four, then you have five million, and hey, you can yeah, you can make a trade or you can do a, something. That's a deadline signing. Although I don't know, I mean, actually, now the Predators have some caps to have some picks to play with. If you want to do like a first and a second, you still at least have a second round pick or something like that. But I don't know who they go for, and cap will be an issue this upcoming year. You're going to have to re-sign Mikael Gramlin, Craig Smith. Um, If you really want to talk about people, you need quote unquote need to re-sign Rocco Grimaldi, but that shouldn't cost less than a million. They probably won't pay Austin Watson more than another $1.1 million. And quite frankly, if they pay him over a million dollars again, I think they're crazy. But yeah, then you have Roman Yossi, who needs a big... That's going to be a big bonus there. Which, you know, this all obviously all leads us to the other elephant in the room being the expansion draft. Yeah. That'll free up some cap space. Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe somehow you can get someone to take Steve Santini and his $1.4 <laughs> million dollar contract. Oh, what the hell are people thinking? Who who are you, who's giving out these deals? That's uh, I really, really would be curious to hear. Like, if you were to call all thirty teams, and try to deal them Subban, I really want to know what everyone offered, because apparently this was the only deal that existed that did not involve salary retention, and I just don't think every GM sh- not. I think most GMs are that stupid. Yeah. Every GM, I don't think. But then if you think about the few GMs that are intelligent, filter that by the teams that actually have cap space, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was difficult, Man. but that just seemed, that oh. was just so weird. All, all those rumors to Toronto just added too good to be true. Yep. And then when I see, like, the rumor, like, that the day of the trade, I see this rumor that it's New Jersey, and I'm like, okay, Taylor Hall, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. Or, like, at least, like, Nico Heesher or something right. like that. Right. And then it was just literally peanuts. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That will bother me for a long time, but... Even if they win the cup, come out there with a sign. <laughs> it should have been Taylor. God, we have so many good signs for this <laughs> hypothetical cup parade. <laughs> We should actually bring one to a game whenever. I, w- I have thought about doing warm-up signs that are, yeah. like, very <laughs> analytics-specific. Yeah, your high data procedures that are just not good enough. We hire Matt Pfeffer. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be my... So, oh, if you want to talk about... What is it, what, I just thought, you know, we might as well bring this up right now. We mm-hmm. had a question, something about the Jumbotron with the... Is that picture on a Jumbotron? What was, it, what was the thing with Chris Mason and... There's... Well, there... So part of this new Jumbotron, <laughs> I say this completely jokingly. 
I don't know if you've heard, but the National Predators and Bridgestone Arena have installed a brand new Jumbotron, and they talk about it quite a bit. Here's the thing. I have heard that, but I have not paid any attention to it because it's, I am an adult with yes. responsibilities. Well, that is the correct amount of attention to pay to that. Yeah. And I do sympathize with the fact that there's nothing going on right now. Mm-hmm. It's birthdays let, and team countdowns. Just let, let, let it be dead air. Exactly. I don't, I don't really understand the incessant need for constant updates about this apparently quite large TV. Anyhow, so the question was, um, and this was from Peyton Turnage, I believe. I believe so. I think so. I'll go on, I'll go on Twitter and figure it out. Uh, he asks if we had uh, Chris Mason and Hal Gill's remote for the Fang. I guess that there maybe I I don't know if I'm out of the loop or if this is brand new. Yeah, Fangatron. Re- <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Fangatron remotes. What would you put on the screen? Yes. So I, I guess the running joke is that they will give them the the controls. <sighs> so big jumbotron, usually used for poorly animated hype up things or like movie clips that are. Now don't get me wrong, I do love most of the movie clips, but it bothers me that a lot of the audio is bad. So it's like a second of dead air after the quote, and then it's like, you know, big heavy yeah. music, and it's like okay. How you know how much are you paying people to, to get rid of that little space of sounds? Probably as much as the intern for analytics. Yes. Yeah, man, you can you could. <laughs> the jokes right themselves. That went to that went to Rocco Grimaldi's salary. Oh, <laughs> anyhow. Anyways, so what would you? Uh, I guess we could just pose this in a different way. What is? Do you have a particular favorite jumbotron feature from any any arena, any team that you like? I mean, I'm, I'm particularly quite partial to the Sharks 90s intro. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I really don't think you can beat that. The the Sharks that, like, turning turn into... Oh, that, I was say the, the Sharks at the beginning looking at each other and nodding their heads. Yeah, that's... Sharks that's nod. Gorgeous. We all know that. They, they, they do the little nod in the hallway under the... And then they the fly through the arena. No, it's fantastic. And then they kind of transform into hockey players. Oh, yeah, it's hard to beat that. Yeah. I thought, so I actually didn't know that that's what that was for. What I thought it was was actually putting pictures on, or videos on the Jumbotron, of which mine were going to say rehire Matt Pfeffer <laughs> cowards. Invest in your analytics department. Yeah, yeah and then like in apostrophes, or uh, whatever, down by the bottom, just say like, please hire me. Yes. And this is, uh, I don't even, I don't know what's privileged information or not, and this is all rumors, you know, heard through the grapevine, but now I think the team has one analytics person yeah Heyman or what or yeah and yeah. he's been there a while um but I guess before it was just him and, and Pfeffer and I don't nec- I don't maybe I'm too like close to the team you know in fandom to really objectively look at how they implement analytics I sense that they don't yeah very much I mean it's, Pfeffer is one of like he he well he works I mean, for the MLS now apparently but yeah. he was one of the premier hockey analysts um, you know, he was in Montreal and vehemently opposed to Suvan getting traded. I wonder if perhaps he was yeah. vehemently opposed to Suvan getting traded part He's two. Just like, I can't do this yeah. anymore. I'm going to soccer. <laughs> uh, I will say, I wonder, and this is the way that I imagine that the Predators listen to analytics is how I imagine that the SECHC head coaches listened to our analytics right. and gave them. Which is not. Where that one guy just like looked at us, like threw the glass, crunched it up, and threw it in the trash can. That was one of the the biggest power moves I've ever been subjected to. Because we... Okay. Oh, I couldn't sit there. I could, all I could do was sit there and laugh. Yeah. and just. Like, oh, yeah. yeah I, I, respect I, it. I respect it. 
but you know, doing that for free, and then you run down in the intermission to give a coach who did, literally had no idea you were even doing it, yeah. give him this little sheet of paper that has, in my opinion, some pretty interesting information. I mean, like, and that, that, that was the other thing too. It wasn't like Georgia versus Tennessee where there was, I think, 110 shot oh attempts. Oh my gosh! Like between just for just for Georgia. Rest like, in peace, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah that R-A, was R.A.P. Vols. They had like 70 shots on goal. Yeah, they had Georgia, 70 shots Georgia did. in like 30, 30 from the slot. It yep. was it was a massacre. Yeah. But like it was I think it was like the semifinals. Like Georgia at that game, point yeah. was tied like one one with like Florida or something. You wanna know which players are not only scoring the goals, everyone can tell you who's scoring the goals. We're telling you who's generating chances, who's generating high danger chances. I mean that's that's decent information. Yeah. I recognize there's not much you can do with it in like a five-minute, ten-minute intermission. But you could, but we. It wasn't just data on that side; it was data on the other side. You could line match. You could adjust your strategy yes. when those guys are on the ice. Like, and again, I think that perhaps, perhaps next season they'll be aware that that's being done, and maybe they'll expect it. But anyway, yeah. Long story short, go and hand the the sheet to I don't know whoever Ole Miss or something, and the coach literally like I see him look at it on the bench, crumpled up, and throw <laughs> it away. I just thought. Damn, I mean that that cuts deep. Yeah, that. that but hurt. also, I respect it. So. We we donated a lot of time and effort into that, but whatever. Oh, by the way, if you want to do that again this year, like if, if people want to do that this <laughs> yeah. year, please feel free. It's yes. a lot, it is a lot of fun. You get to hang out with us. It's very rewarding. There's snacks. There's a bunch of Red Bull, I guess. Yeah, just uh, tweet at Justin Bradford, Justin B. Bradford, Justin B. Bradford. Tweet at him that you, Radio. you want to spend your February hanging out with George and Michael. Yeah. And he may know what you mean, but he may just think that you're being nice. And either way, you know. We are lots of fun to hang out with. Yeah. Despite we wear ties. Did you wear a tie? I wore a tie. And this time I have a full suit that I'm going to wear. Oh. Like a full, not not one assorted one. It looked good, but you know, it wasn't like... They will take us seriously this year. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Anyhow, all this is to say, the state of analytics in Nashville is a bit up in the air. I'm not exactly sure... I mean, and there are so, other, so many other things about that, too, because there was only two people that were working last year, and you kind of wonder, maybe they were outsourcing it, but with how stingy Nashville is with their money. Pay, offering I, a 40-hour-a-week unpaid internship to do full-time analyst work? Yeah. yeah. To not even be an intern, just to, you know, what was it, be a self-starter and work on projects you deem fit? But that's not, that's not an internship. No, it's a violation of labor law. Yeah. <laughs> I can get all into that again. Yeah. But, uh, you know... The uprising aside. Yes. <laughs> the pitchfork's down. The guillotine put away for a minute. Um, it's very clear that they do not spend money on this. And, yeah. and La Violette strikes me very much as an old school, like... Because, I mean, all again, all the all the videos and audio I've heard of La Violette doing, like, intermission and post-game and pre-game talks are just basically try-harder. Yeah. And again, I think at a certain level, try-harder doesn't really work <laughs> and with professional athletes like they pre- i'm pretty sure they're giving it their all all the time right like, that is obviously there are there are moments where a player will lapse but during the regular season especially but in the playoffs i just don't think it's to me it wouldn't work if i'm a, at like at the top level and i know that it's the this is the moment we've been working for all season yeah and we're losing because we can't exit the defenses <laughs> the coach coming in and telling me to play harder i think would just be kind of Anyway, you yeah. need an analyst to get in there and <laughs> say, listen, guys, more slot work. Yeah, stop working it just to sue man. Try to <laughs> move it yourself. Yes. Oh, for the love of God. 
I would say we should do this for free, but they would take us up on that, and yeah, I don't want to do it for probably. free. At uh, this point, I'll do it just for benefits. You can, <laughs> give me minimum wage and benefits, if I'll be there. Me, if they give me dental insurance, it's the only thing I'm lacking <laughs> at the moment. I am one cavity away from being on the street. God bless oh America. God. <laughs> uh, it's good to be us. Yeah. Anyways... I mean, if you're not 24 and have this impending sense of doom, yes. are you even... Are, are you, you paying attention? Yeah. <laughs> if you're not upset, you're not paying attention. That's my motto. <laughs> oh, I thought it was always, if, if you're not depressed, you're not paying attention. Right. Angry, I think. It's angry. Yeah. Either way, depressed, I, I think depressed makes more sense. That's how I feel. Like, you could sum up most things, but especially my hockey fandom with that. If you're not angry, you're not really not paying attention. At least not paying attention to the right things. Mm-hmm. Couple more housekeeping things, uh, depth re-signings de- or extensions, I guess. So, uh, Sissons and Grimaldi, Grimaldi after apparently an insulting arbitration process. Yeah, I guess arbitration's he, always insulting. Yeah, and I, I made a joke, you know, that he thought he was Rich Marner, <laughs> which obviously, I think he's probably a little more probably, realistic about who he is. Probably at the same height. Yeah, right. Um, I don't know. I mean, Grimaldi's like, I think a million's fine. It's very low risk deal and he was okay. like he was good in the playoffs yeah among a, I mean he was a big fish in a very little tepid stagnant pond of Predators players so I wouldn't I would not have wanted him to sign a lengthy deal yeah. Sisson's contract is very interesting not okay so this is something I learned I believe from Reddit so forgive me um, from like you know Death Slayer 69 whatever <laughs> pointed out that there are there are two players in the National Hockey League, and I think I'm getting this right, that have a contract length of six years or more and an annual, average annual value of $3 million or less, and both of them are National Predators. Yeah. And that is Colton Sissons and Kelly Arncrope. Yeah. Uh, but I don't how, know. How do we feel about that? Sissons is, like, he's a depth player. He gets... He's fine on the third line. He's unfortunately paired... Or put alongside players that are seen as defensive. He's not. I think he's actually a pretty good defensive forward. Yeah, I'd especially say he's good. for a bottom a bottom six player. Yeah. Now I don't necessarily agree with his lines being seen as the defensive line because they don't always do a very good job. Not necessarily his fault. Long. I mean, all this is to say it's pretty low value. It is a long term, but I mean it's tradable because it's pretty low value. Yeah, or it's even buyoutable if you really needed to. My bet is that they try to they try to market him hard to to Seattle. Now that would be interesting. See, and that would be a very deft move, I think. Because two point eight five seven for three years isn't that's fine. Like that's that's a decent deal. Maybe a little more than I'd like to spend for a guy that shot sixteen percent last year, but like that's that's fine. That's okay. I can I can live with that. But for six years, man, stop giving term to depth players. I mean, we all thought Kelly Arncrook was great, and then he, or you know, he was he took a great he was on a great deal, and then look at him now. He's I mean, got three years left. I still don't think it's a bad deal though, just because it's not that much money. Yeah, and he'll probably like I think hopefully last year was kind of as bad as it gets for the next few years at least. Yeah, but like he's a two million dollar player on your fourth line, like that's that's pretty brutal. And Grant, I think he could. I think he does have some decent shooting talent. To be honest with you, I think he could play on a third line and produce anywhere between 10 to 15 goals, which is what Sissons did. But I don't know, man. I I just don't don't give term to, to people that play on your third or fourth line. Like, that should just be a general rule of thumb. Jesus, Ryan. I just realized Ryan Ellis is not our most expensive defenseman. Sorry. 
Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, outstanding. Until Yossi gets re-signed, which he will, obviously, for much more. But yeah. Well, watch him probably take something like $8 million. Yeah. What but would you do with Yossi? What's, I mean, if you're well, the Predators... And I was going to trade him before right. they, before they get a Subian, but... Well, yeah, because you know this is coming. How, basically, how much do you think Yossi is going to ask for, and how much do you think the Predators are willing to give him, and if if not, do they just send him packing? Okay, so here here's what I really wanted to do. And, you know, this is before... This is before we knew. This is a little bit with hindsight, but I would have let Gerard grow because Gerard's that left-handed defenseman that would have that could step into Roman Yossi's shoes, and then let Dante Fabro kind of grow because he's that right-handed shot that you're hoping can take that step into. They got like 10, 10 games of NHL experience, was, and they've decided that he's a decent replacement for Suvan. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't. It's tricky. It's tricky. I don't know, man. That's a. Eh. But it's better than even like, the even when I tracked with him, he didn't make much of an Im- impact. Like Dan, which I don't think is that's not surprising. Like that's not yeah. a, a he's slight a, against a rookie him. in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like yeah, right. you're, you're gonna try to not make an impact as little yeah. or as little as you can. But man, how great does team look with Sam Gerard? How much different does yeah. how much different does does Roman Yossi? Do you think they move Roman Yossi over PK Subban if Gerard's still here? I mean, if their rationale, if part of their rationale for moving Subban was that they thought Fabro was a, a decent replacement, I don't see how they don't would it think the same with Yossi and Gerard. Yeah. Okay, that guy, that guy really blossomed. That guy looks so good with Kale McCarr. He was so fun to watch for those like few games that he actually played yeah. <laughs> for the Predators. And he played like what three games with with the, with the Predators? Oh no, no, it was four. He had like four points in four games with the Predators. Like weirdly enough. Yeah. He. He does a spinorama on on the opponent's blue line every game, which yeah. I respect the hell out of. And no, no one's caught him on it yet. Too. I know it's never gone badly. It's out to say you'd think that people would learn by now, but I guess he's he's just that good at doing it. You think you'd probably just think surely, like yeah. surely not. If, <laughs> if I get this, I'm it's literally me and the goalie. Yeah. Like, but he'll do it. He will do it. Well, I mean, I think let me let me actually look up his his zone transition numbers because I remember him being good with like the hope that he could be better, but. I mean, I don't know. Roman Yossi is such a weird one because his offensive impact is is awesome, but his defensive impact is pretty bad. Yeah. And you couple that with the fact that he's one bad hit away from never playing again. That is a worry. He's uh, he's uh, he's one of those multiple concussion guys. I mean, how that's why he took this deal in the first place was because he wasn't sure that he could do it. Oh, look at Santini's. Oh, oh my god. Look at Sam Gerard. Yeah. In, in the three years of data that we have for him, which is 48 games and 791 minutes tracked by Corey Schneider, he is in the 98th percentile of players, not just defensemen, but players, for possession entries per 60, and then in the 97th percentile for possession exits per 60. He's a beast. For the ninety-seven percentile of shot of shot assists per sixty, I mean it's just nuts. And his entry defense isn't that great, but that's defense, defense. It's the pair him, you know, pair him with someone, pair him with someone that's good. Like you could have paired him with Dan Hamuse, that would have been fantastic. Yep. Uh, that's a nice segue though, talking about a Colorado player, because of course the whole the the meat of this episode is supposed to be a central <laughs> central edition preview, and not just a bitching about the Predators, which it. As yeah. usual, became that's probably what we could we could just call the entire show. What bitching about predation <laughs> between the bitching between the bitching. All so right. uh, just, just for just for the sake of everything, let's just go through the the standings were last year. In seventh place, you had the Minnesota Wild with uh, what is that eighty three points, 
In sixth place, you had the Chicago Blackhawks with 84 points. In fifth place, you had the Colorado Avalanche with 90 points. Uh, in fourth place, you had the Dallas Stars with 93 points. In uh, third place, you had the St. Louis Blues with 99 points. Tied with them for second place, you had uh, the Winnipeg Jets. And then, to top it all off, you had the National Predators with 100 points. That is genuinely bizarre that the Predators won their division last year. I mean, the Jets were really bad. And the Blues were the worst team in the NHL until, like, sometime oh, in December. Yeah. So, I mean, the Predators, all they had to do was just not mess it up, and they somehow didn't. So they almost did. They, they came yeah, pretty they, close. I think they lost. Did they lose to Chicago with, like, a week left or something? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, granted, they were still 10 points out of not making the playoffs, but they were one win away from yeah. being, you know, not having home field advantage, although what little Oh, yeah, that did, that did great. That, yeah. that was very helpful. Um so, I would. This is. I mean, the Central Division. I think, as usual, is quite interesting because there's a lot of. I mean, basically five teams. I think are pretty. Pretty competitive. Yeah. I mean, and maybe that's not unique to the Central, but it. It's not like some of the. I think of like the Eastern Conference. It feels like it's just three teams and then a cliff. Yeah, you have you have five teams that fiz- that finish in this division. Five out of seven teams finish with a positive goal differential, and four out of the five finish with a uh, double digit positive goal differential. Yeah, like that's that's pretty that's uncommon. That's not that's not normal in the NHL. So I'll start with last year's uh, basement and probably this year's basement. A team that is honestly admirable in their <laughs> well, the the Paul Fenton experiment was genuinely bizarre. And like the stuff that's come come out about him too, where like oh apparently the gosh. predators were like selling him, like yeah, were trying to get someone to take him off their hands. Which, like, I wonder if they knew that they could just fire him and be done with it. Yeah, you wonder. That is bizarre, um, but he's. I mean, I guess the best thing I've heard about Finn is that he's pretty good at scouting and pretty bad at everything else. That happens a lot though with GMs. Like that's the whole thing with Jim Benny. Jim Benny was a super scout, and now he's just destroying. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like, I mean, he had a genuine fire sale with that team, and he was probably days away from putting the final nail in the coffin with some real, like... Oh, oh Matt Zuccarello to that deal is just, is just brutal. Yep. And then, I mean, he like, even off the ice, it's completely cleaned out the analytics department. Which was, like, second to none. Yep, and he was about, he's about to apparently deal Zucker. Ugh. Oh, that would have been... I, like, that team would be unwatchable without yeah. Zucker. And they basically are anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> I will. True. I will. My prediction is that Minnesota will once again be. I would say seventh, maybe sixth, but I would say seventh. Yeah, I hate to agree with you, but I do think. I think that our last two teams in this, in this ranking, are probably going to be the same. But yeah, I would agree that the Minnesota Wild are not. Yeah. Are going to be are going to finish last. You know, they only finished one point behind Chicago. Like, they were so much worse. Yeah. Um, for me, sixth place, I'm actually going to continue with the Chicago Blackhawks. Like, they've made some positive strides, and I think that they'll do... I think they've drafted well and will continue to draft well, but that team's still quite a ways away from being good again. I think probably at least two years. You never know what can happen, but, like, their defense still needs some work. Um, I'm actually forgetting... Uh, oh, they drafted... Did they draft Turcote this year, or...? Um. But yeah, I think they did. I'll check that out if you want to talk for one. I guess. Well, I. I don't know. I tend to agree with you. I did just. I want to point out Minnesota had 
the absolute worst PDO in the league last year. So that said, Seriously? there may actually be some room for them to bounce back a they, little bit. They maybe, could. Maybe how, I mean, move how, all the way up to six plays. How bad was it, though? Uh, it was .984, mostly because of shooting percentage. Their save percentage is actually considerably better than the teams just above them yeah. in PDO. So, yeah, they, just came. they were the only team... No, sorry. There were a couple. There were one of very few teams. In fact, one of two teams with a shooting five on five shooting percentage of less than seven. Jeez. And I'm sorry. Uh, the the uh, Blackhawks drafted Kirby Deck this year, which I was actually not that much of a fan of. I think he's a good player, but I don't. I didn't think he was that great. They should have gotten Turco or Byram. So yeah, I don't. I don't really see Chicago getting any better. I mean, these... I was always a little curious about them last season. I know it's like. In hindsight, you know, they were, like, booing their coach during the intros and everything. It was not a good situation. But I was always – to me, it's like if you still have that core of the Blackhawks from the past few years, they're always – there's always some potential there. I mean, Patrick Kane's always going to score Butler goals. But the defense is old and bad, basically. <laughs> and either old and bad or very young and just kind of uh, – yeah, the, I'd, I'd say the Blackhawks are going to be basement dollars again, barring something crazy happening. I, was, I mean, they, got, they have reinforcements coming eventually, but like it's just they need more time. Yeah. And that, that happens sometimes. And that's this is not to disparage the Blackhawks. I, I will stand by this forever. Like They got their cups. They are allowed to be in this position. Yeah. I mean, their fans should not be upset. I, I mean, I understand like your team being bad is never fun, but... Three cups in five Three years. Three cups in five years. I mean, that's... Modern-day dynasty. I would forgive most terrible cap decisions for one cup. You know, it's like... I mean, it wasn't even just three cups in five years. It was three cups and then two Western Conference Finals where they lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. God, those series were fantastic, too. I missed those. All right, and in number five, last year was the Colorado Avalanche, and this year... I am going to put the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, damn it. You can't agree on everything. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to do. Okay. I bet you will disagree on the next one, though. Um, so you you mentioned a little bit earlier that Winnipeg has, what was it, like $17 million in cap space? Yes, they're currently leading the league in, in cap space at this point. But let's see who they have to re-sign. Because I know Line A isn't signed yet. and He did not do himself any favors no. last year. No, he did not. So yeah, Patrick Lining, uh, twenty-one, and Kyle Connor, twenty-two, both need new deals. Yeah. And quite frankly, Kyle Connor had like eighty points this year too. Kyle Connor had I think thirty goals, and Patrick Lining still had thirty goals, but he had him, you know, thirty like twenty of those within like a three-week span. Yeah, well, as someone pointed out, and it is, I don't know, like you said, he still scores thirty goals, so this seems a little silly, but. If he's not scoring goals, he's legitimately doing nothing. Oh, yeah. Like, no, there's Patrick no Lainey. contribution to Patrick Lainey unless he's scoring goals. And I hate that a lot of people compare him to Ovechkin or Darius earlier years because Ovechkin was just a physical specimen. Like, he was hitting people. He was yeah. taking runs at guys. He wasn't great on defense. But, I mean, he generally made life hell against for the defense. I mean, he was nuts. You know, he made life hell for both both sides of defense. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I still think it's... If Austin Matthews gets 11, and let's say Mitch Barner gets something like 10, which that's a very big if I know, but I'd be hard pressed. I could I could see like a, a, a bridge deal for like five million dollars, maybe two years at five million, because that's that doesn't destroy their cap, and that allows Line A to kind of take some time and you know make some money. I mean, who else they really have to sign? Like Jack Rosovic doesn't he probably won't command a lot of money in the next few years. 
Sammy Naikun, probably not. Uh, Nathan Volio, not really. Dmitry Kulikov is going to take a, a major pay cut. Josh Morrissey, maybe, but even then, I don't like this team doesn't really have anyone huge to sign. Yeah. So I, I could see Kyle Connor at six for term, and I could see Patrick Line at five or six for, for two years, just before, you know, so he can kind of age a little bit. So I say Winnipeg because I think they're on a basically a downward trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, we saw like they were, you know, Nashville and Winnipeg was like this hyped up rematch, you know, and then it, neither of them got there. Um, on top of that, Winnipeg has benefited from some very nice uh, goaltending. And I, I mean, yeah, I don't think there's of- any reason to think that won't continue, but it's just always a risk to, to kind of. Put your eggs in that basket. I can't remember if he won or not, but the year they made that they went deep in the playoffs. Connor Hellbuck was like, like a nine twenty five. Yeah, well, I think he, I think he was Vesna, Vesna quality. I don't know if he, I don't remember if he won or not though. Yeah, it is funny how sort of similar they are to Nashville, um, which you know is probably why that's hyped up as this big matchup. But I, yeah, I see Winnipeg, which is bizarre. I, I would say if you looked at this team like the start of last year, to think that we'd be talking about them being wild card hope, hopeful. Uh, I'm not sure I like them better than some of the teams. That, well, I, uh, I was going to say, I'm not sure I like them better than the teams in the Pacific, but consider that the teams that you like in the Pacific are Calgary, San Jose, and Vegas. That's only three. Right. Who really will be the fourth for that wild card? I can't, I can't think of one off the top of my head. No. But, but man, those three teams are going to be nuts. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I would say Winnipeg would be in that, in that wild card mix. I'd say, let's just say at five. Yeah. Number four. Number four? I'm, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to say it on three. All right. Three, two, one. St. Louis Blues. That's good. That's good. Yeah, we finally disagree. Okay, so but St. Louis is interesting. St. Louis is interesting. I mean, they really, they. if you look at their, at their numbers, they really bounced back hard. Uh it wasn't even like a regression to the mean. It was like a regression to astronomical PDO there near the end. I I, I really like Ryan O'Reilly, but and I really like Valentin Tarasenko, but like Braden Shen and like a bunch of those guys shot way over their heads for a large part of that back half of the season. I'm not really sure that that will continue. Then again, I also don't like their depth all that much. Counterpoint to that: yeah. first half of the season, they were. Oh, I mean, they were not good. even an NHL team. Well, so if you look at the average of all that, they were pretty good. Yeah, well, yeah. But even then, if you look at their average, it still comes back down. It still comes over their range over their heads. I also, do we really want to trust Jake Allen and Jordan Bennington? Like, Jordan Bennington was bad during parts of the playoff, man. Like, he was, I think he finished below 905 during the entire playoffs. Like, he was not good. The, the reason that what they won was because they had Ryan O'Reilly and Colton Parekh out there for 30 minutes a game. Oh gosh! But yeah, that that defense looks good. But Jay Bowmeister is no longer that great. Alex Petrangelo had some issues. I like I kind of like Joel Edmondson. I kind of like um, shoot that other guy that they have. I can't remember his name right now. I'll look it up. But I don't know, man. That that team just doesn't. Even though they just won the Stanley Cup. Also, I mean, how much are they going? Are they going to get away with just hurting other teams again? They probably will. <laughs> I mean, they left a lot of. They left a lot of uh, terror in their wake. I mean, Boston fans are going to bitch and moan about it. And as a San Jose fan, who I saw them target Eric Carlson. Yeah, that's fine. Which was that doesn't bother me in the least. Really? No, the the fact that Boston. Oh, fans oh yeah, Boston, sorry, yeah, Boston, 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 Boston
Yeah. Boston fans suck. I'm just I'm worried about my sweet boy Eric Carlson. No, Even I, if he wasn't on the Sharks, I don't want anybody which to get targeted. I was those guys. You know, I was bitching and moaning when Eric Carlson was getting targeted on the Senators. So you, you can uh, you can quote me on that one, but yeah. I mean, I just I really don't trust that goaltending for long stretches of time. That defense is good in the top four, which is good, but I that offense, a lot of their bottom six guys shot above their heads. I just don't really trust it all that much. So, I say Nashville, and this will probably get some groans, but it's just, I've, I feel like I've just been waiting for this forever. Goaltending is just, it cannot, like, <laughs> yes, we are, we've been talking about for a while, and probably this season, it'll happen even more, the UC Sarah starts to get more, um, as Pecorino probably declines a little bit. Um, granted, he's sort of been defying the, yeah. the prediction for a while, but... I mean, defensively, the team is not better than they were. No. And defense, like, yeah, secondary scoring was a problem, especially, well, I, don't know, I, would, say I would say their complete lack of defensive structure is the bigger issue, and it's gotten worse, and especially, like, their zone, their zone exits are worse. There's going to be probably more turnovers, as people will laugh. People will laugh at that because Subban is seen as this turnover machine, but I honestly think, Maybe not strictly turnovers, but there will be more failed zone exits now with Subban gone. So if the goaltending declines, which I mean, I think we saw that like Saros is, he has weaknesses this past season. He, he started off very poorly and then he came back up um, toward the latter part of the season, but we've now seen that he's not just flawless all the time. So I'm expecting goaltending yeah. to take a bit of a hit, and they were the fifth, the fifth highest PDO in the league last year. Like there's room to fall, even just for natural regression. And they've been, they've been like in the top five for PDO for like the last two years now, too. Yeah, which like, is why we've been. And I wouldn't say it's because they have that talent. If you look at who they're with, right? And that's, I mean, that's what we've been kind of wary of. I think is this. They're they're the most <laughs> like the most sustainably unsustainable team. Because yeah. all these numbers are pointing to the fact that they should be wor- doing worse than they are and probably looking a lot more like they did in the playoffs during the regular season. But for whatever reason, they, they, they do tend to get results in the regular season. But I just don't like the margin for, for error. It's very small now. If the goaltending is bad, which I think that there's reason to believe it, not often will be, but at times will be, I can see them being in that wild card mix, which would be very would look very bad in the organization because you need, if you're objectively speaking, if you're dealing one of the league's best right-handed defensemen, and if you don't improve significantly, that is a very bad look for your team. Yeah. I mean, but I'm, I don't know. Well, and here's a question I've been meaning to ask you, especially on, on record. How many points do you think Duchesne gets this season? Because I mean, he's gotten like 70 and like 80 before, yeah. but those are in places where other players are getting 70 and 80 points. So I've said, I mean, we said this before Subban was traded. I think you just, you, it, the, the return, and again, this is not strictly, the, I know the trade was not Subban for Duchesne, but for simplicity's sake, we'll say it is. I said the return needed to be 30 goals guaranteed. Um, and I do think Duchesne can be that guy. I think you can expect 30 goals at least from Duchesne. So is Johansson. Before he got traded to the British. Right, and there, that's what, you know, I sort of jokingly refer to it as the Laviolette tax. 
because offense does tend to dry up in these systems. So I would say that we can expect I would say we can expect 60 points from Duchesne this season. I think that Granlin is going to be much more of a factor. Oh, do you think he'll score more than one point in 17 games let's, at 5 on 5? Let's hope so. I think he only um, had four, too, at, at, uh, in all strengths. Yeah, it was... With two of them coming on one power play. Yep. Weirdly enough. So I think having a summer with the team, and especially he and Duchesne getting time together and before the season starts, I think that you can expect some help um, for Duchesne on the wings. And Craig Smith is just going to fire the puck, assuming he's the yeah. one on that right wing. He's going he's to score. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, Greenland had five points in 16 games with one at 5-5. Five and five. Important, yeah. important correction for four points in 17 games. Yeah. Um, My bad. So all that said, like Nashville probably will score more goals, but I think that their defense is going to get worse, and I think their goaltending is probably not going to get better. So I'm not really that confident. And they were, as we pointed out, they were extremely close to being third in the division last season. Like them yeah. first was by just a, a hair. So yeah, one point. And I'm not like. I'm not saying that once they get to the playoffs, it will be, you know, I'm not saying that they'll finish fourth and their playoff performance will necessarily be bad. I just don't see this getting better over an 82-game stretch than it has been. I think you traded a strength for a weakness, to address a weakness, which is risky. I think that... See, I think you traded just to, for the sake of making a trade. I agree, but the weakness being depth scoring, the strength being P.K. Subban. I mean, being... One of the best, one of the best puck moving defensemen in the league. You traded away because your second line wasn't scoring any goals. I can justify that as trading a strength to address a weakness. So I would say at best it's kind of an even swap. Um, so yeah, unfortunately not expecting too much from Nashville this season. Yeah, that's 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 fair. But not far off from you, I would put St. Louis in third. I I don't think that. Your Stanley Cup champions are necessarily going to build a dynasty off it, but yeah, there's just, there's a lot of pieces there that I don't really trust. Uh, in third place, I have the Colorado Avalanche. I uh, ah, that defense is still really young. They're, they're probably going to take some time to mature, especially Kale McCarr. Now you have Bow, uh, Bowen or Byron Bowen, pardon me, who is good, but will probably need a year in the WHL still. So. That you won't have that. Also, Ian Cole, one of your top four defensemen, is going to be out for until December. That'll probably play a little bit of havoc. Um, even if he's not the best player, that still hurts. Yeah, I mean, that forward group is good. They Nazem Kadri is a good second-line center. I think that was a good move. Picking up Jonas Donskoy and Andre Burkowski really helps that middle six and adds some scoring punch to them. I mean, that transformed the team from a one-line team to a two- to three-line team pretty much. But I really don't trust that goaltending all that well. I mean, Philip Grubauer's been good, but he's also had some very bad stretches as well. And I'm not sure that I think that he's going to be able to carry it for, you know, for eight months or whatever it is. And I don't, I don't can't remember who their backup is. But I don't think it's anyone big. Oh, it is Pavel Frank 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 Kuz Frank Kuz. <laughs> Yeah, that's not a real person. So I don't think that they're going to... He's 29. That's why I was a little hesitant. Really? I was like, is this some guy I should know? I have never even heard of this cat. Well, good for you, Pavel. Pavel Frankus. Anyways, yeah, I don't know. I don't... I think that this I think this game is going to be fun and exciting because they're going to be great offensively and they're going to give up a lot of goals. But 
yeah, I don't if they who knows, they could be better, they could be worse. I think I think they'll be in the mix though for for a real like a, a top 3 spot though. Yeah, I mean by by process of elimination I have to have Colorado in second and I realize mm-hmm. that is a big jump for them. Yeah. But basically with one functioning line as good as it was, like <laughs> one of the best in the league, but they had one functioning line and they were they were essentially exactly average PDO-wise. Um, and now, like you pointed out, they've addressed some of the depth issues. I mean, Gerard is becoming a beast. I mean, he's, he's not going to make up, you know, he's not going to create an entirely effective defensive core by himself, but... he If you pair him with Eric Johnson and Nikita Zadorov, who are both very good defensive defensemen, like that's... All of a sudden, you have a puck... You have a, a bona fide... Like top ten puck mover in the or in the NHL, yeah. Like he is essentially what uh, what Kevin Fiala was in, in transition, which is all you could really hope for. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go big on that. I'm just gonna say Colorado in second. Yeah. They've uh, Colorado's been a really fun team to watch for the past few years. Going from like I feel like they barely broke fifty points. Yeah. <laughs> Once it's like an all time low for the organization, and now I'm. A few years later, I'm sitting here talking about how I expect them to be kind of a shoe-in for the playoffs. But, I, I mean, I could definitely be wrong here, and I'm, it's probably too early to make – I've basically just been very impressed by their additions. Yeah, they, they seem to have not overreacted. I mean, McKinnon is probably the best contract in the NHL. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, know, you could make that argument. Um, I mean, who's better? <sighs> who's better that's on an entry-level deal? yeah. He's, he's making six point three million dollars for the next four years, and I mean, I shouldn't have to tell you how good McKinnon yeah. is and how effective that line is in Colorado. Ugh. And I have a soft spot for Colorado. There's some pretty sweet news. Yeah, I'm maybe allowing a little bit of subjectivity in there. I really no, became quite never. a no. Never. I did become quite. Um, I gained a, a great affinity for their fan base during the, the season that they probably don't want to talk about ever again because they have a way to handle it. So for number two, I have the Nashville Predators. I think that everything you said, said will tell us why, but at the same time, I think UC Saras and Pecorini got one more in the tank. I, mean, also, yeah, I think I mean, it depends on how you ride them. I think it should be a 50-50 split, but knowing Laviolette and how he likes to go back to things two he years. <laughs> Yeah, knowing how Laviolette loves to go back to the things he likes and knows, he starts going to get 20, 20 starts San Francisco to talk about how, how good he could be in the future. Yeah, right. Next year, though. Yeah, if only he gets the starts he needs. But 33-year-old UC Sharks rolls <laughs> in with 20 starts. Like, next year, though, it'd be great. Who do you got at number two? I told I said I've got Colorado. Oh yeah, Colorado. Oh yeah, that's number it. one brings me to number one, the Dallas Stars. I have the Dallas Stars too, number one, and quite frankly, I don't feel good about it. No, I can't say I do either. Like I just, I just, I can't. They're the only people, the only team though that I can't come up with as many reasons why they won't be that good. You know what I mean? Like, because they also had depth issues, but by putting Radulov on that second line, I mean they totally transformed it with Rope Hintz. Now they have Joe Pavelski, who, while he's not going to score thirty-five goals again ever, I think he's definitely shooting for thirty. I think that's fine for the next year. On top of that, they have some decent. They had some decent players like Jason Dickinson in their bottom six. I think they'll be able to do well. Plus, their defensive structure is incredible. I think they gave up the fewest high danger chances in the entire league at five on five last year. 
And to top it all off, Ben Bishop was awesome. When, whenever they whenever they did mess up, I mean, he was on top of it. And you saw it too in the Dallas in the National Dallas series, though, too. I mean, they, they gave up nothing to the Predators. Okay, do you want to hear, apologize for the tangent, do you want to hear the most bizarre thing I've found today? Let's do it. By a pretty, by a pretty decent margin, the fewest tight end chances against per 60 last season, 5-on-5, five five, Minnesota. They're just boring. They're a little pace often. Like, just a terrible, terrible team to watch. Anyhow, yeah, so I've got Dallas up there as well. They, doing like some... Prep work for the playoff series taught me a lot about Dallas and a lot about how legit they are. Yeah. Um, I mean, their their coaching staff was incredible during that first round series. Oh, my gosh. And and like you said, I, Ben Bishop was – I think Dallas was like the one team in the league that Nashville did not have a very handy goaltending, like quality goaltending advantage over. Ben Bishop is better. Um and yeah, like you said, I mean, they just like coaching just blew me. I mean, absolutely blew me away. And granted, it's not like Nashville provided much of a challenge because they just kept doing the same thing every game. But I mean, eventually it has to work, right? I, yeah, it's still it's still May at this point. You know, yeah, it, what is it, August? But we're I mean, still trying it. You know, what they say like, doing the same thing over and over again leads to a different result. Yep, <laughs> it's the mark of a successful group. So if you keep doing the same thing again. Uh, yeah, so sure, let's do it. Dallas, number one. Yeah, I don't feel good about that at all. But <laughs> no, I don't either. Quite frankly, it's almost 9 o'clock on a Tuesday night, and I don't feel good about anything I've done today. So. A tree almost fell on my house today. Yeah. We almost recorded this next to the said down tree, but the cicadas are very loud. I think there's cicadas, yeah. Yeah, it's actually really tragic, because not only is a tree I liked down, but also there's this, these squirrels that keep coming and like, sniffing around, like, what the fuck happened to our tree? <laughs> like, they keep all their food up there. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's been, it's been a bit of a day. I mean, yeah. I've spent eight hours in a classroom talking about R, Ugh. which I do like. But you, you coders, come on! I, you coders. My R skills have waned. I got to get back on that. Yeah. Um, want to go through questions? Yes, let's knock some. So we already, ta- we already addressed Peyton's. Um, uh, Maha Khan asked, "Why is Mitch Marner a weenie?" And I already responded that. Noted former of London Knight Mitch Marner is a beautiful man, and he should be paid at least $60 million per season. But I imagine you might have something else. I mean, I honestly think you kind of nailed it. I'd love it if he made $16 million. Like if, if, if Toronto just forked over, it's like, fine. It is really it is really interesting, because this is like... I don't, I don't know if there's something about like Toronto if playing in... It's, it's almost like a double-edged sword, because everyone wants to play in Toronto. But then if you play in Toronto, you suddenly think you're hot shit. Because <laughs> this happened, like, sort of happened with Nylander, although I think that ended up being a very fair deal. Yeah, I mean, he was going, but yeah, he was going for $6.9 million. Yeah. It's not exactly like he was... No, I know. It's, but it's, it's similar, like, the fans all love these guys. And then, like, Mitch Marner, I mean, they, they're, people have really soured to Mitch Marner, especially with Matthews around. Uh, there's still, there are people that are like, you know, they, they should pay this much for Mitch Marner. How could they give that much to, to Austin Matthews, who's injured all the time? And, yeah. Yeah, maybe they didn't pay like thirty four or William Nylander six point nine million dollars. They could pay Mitch Marner. Like that's not the point. It's not the, they they have the money. They can they made room for them for the money. They just yeah. don't want to pay him ten million dollars. But I get, I understand. I don't want to pay him ten million dollars either. I Toronto's like actually, I think, I think Toronto fans 
basketball aside, like if you, as someone pointed out, I think the Raptors winning the championship was the best thing that's ever happened to Mike Babcock. <laughs> <laughs> it did take away a lot of the uh, a lot of the pressure. Yeah, or Kyle do would say right. Um, but like that's a team that I mean, all season we were just raving about the moves they were making, and I mean their center group is un like their top six is unbelievable, yeah. and they get the same result. Yeah. I just that's a team that I feel like is, should be kind of raising their shoulders. Honestly, I do? think I think halfway through the season, they, if things are starting to look like they like they normally do, they should start sandbagging and go for fourth place, get that first wild card spot, so <laughs> you don't have to play Boston. I would rather at play this t- point. That's just, not a bad idea. Just don't don't fall to the second wild card, so you don't have to play Tampa, and don't fall to the to third place, so you have to play Boston. Find that sweet spot, and you have to play some weenie team from the Atlantic or from the Metro, rather. Yeah. I'm like, who do you who are you afraid of in the Metro? I, I just. Yeah, I mean, maybe Carolina, at this maybe? point, literally just don't play Boston. It's yeah. cursed. Yeah, try try Tampa. Maybe, who knows, maybe they're bad. <laughs> they're bad Juju. Oh, Went stayed with them. Poor Tampa. Speaking of teams that should have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> Everything right for that result. I mean, there's apparently, they're, they still haven't signed Brandon Point yet, but supposedly they're just kind of like, we're going to wait for, for Mitch Martin. To right, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I was an RFA, that's exactly what I'd be doing. I don't fault anyone. What is the dollar amount you think Mitch... Mitch Marner gets? Mitch Marner gets. I think he gets... See, this is tricky because he said that if he gets term, he wants a lot of money. But if he doesn't get term, he also wants a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I love you it. can't... Uh, uh, Either I'm right or I'm right. I think he gets... Okay. I think he gets... You know what I'm going to say? I think it's 11.4 by one year. Wow. Yeah, you know what? I think that eventually Kyle Davis says, screw it. Yeah, you have, have it. Your, yeah, you have your money for one year. I com- Wow. Is that legit? I completely forgot that Pontus Aberg is now a Maple Leaf. Is he? Totally. F- they they signed like eight players in three days or something. And he oh, was that's one of them. right. Dude, Pontus Aberg? Yeah. I, uh, I, I actually thought Pontus Aberg would become a decent NHLer at I some did point. too. He showed the skills in the playoffs, but that's what you get for believing in playoff right. magic. Yep. Um, next question? Yep. Next question. Yep. yep. From F- Frank... Come on, let's hear the French. Janetin from Frank. 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 Is, is that a is that a Frenchman? I don't know. I can't tell down here. You guys. The last name Jean de Montbrien. Yeah. Um, do you sorry? <laughs> sorry, Frank. Do you think the Predators have enough depth on the wings entering the season? If not, who would you want? To, would you want them to acquire another asset, either via trade, Benino or Turris? Or even through a signed veteran UFA, Palmville Vanek, on a cheap deal to add some talent. And additionally, what does Tolvanen and Richard's AHL seasons tell us about the respective past to make an NHL roster? Would you say they compare well to, the, to their fellow prospects maturing in the minors? So this is a two-part question. We'll answer the first part first, obviously. Um, I think Vanek would be a good pickup, frankly, but like I, they only have like a million dollars and. Someone will offer him two or three. Well, just start start with the basics. Yes or no? Do you think Nashville has the the right amount of depth of wing? Of depth at wing? No, I'd really like to see them add another score in the, for the third line. I think they have enough talent. If you move their third liner wingers down to the fourth line, I think that makes sense. But like, maybe Colton Sissons could play on the wing of Kyle Turris, but who else? And you need someone with a little bit more of a scoring touch. There's a lot of guys. I just think there's a lot of these bottom six. National players that have just completely worn out their welcome. I think people yeah. are kind of thinking about them as they were a year or two ago, 
And I'm, I'm thinking as much as it pains me to say, thinking of Kelly Yarncroft. Yeah. And as it pains me less to say, I'm thinking Austin Watson, Mika Salamaki. I mean, these guys, are, like, people... Dude, have, they're bad. People have picked up on some of them, like Salamaki and Goudreau, and just... Yeah, maybe they had some highlights a couple of years ago, but now it's like there's really no reason for a lot of these guys to hang around. That said, if you're dealing... Really, if you're dealing tourists, it would be for pretty much a career low value. Yeah, you'd be selling low. But if you trade Benito, you'd be selling high. Exactly. Like, Benito, sell, like if you had any any negotiating power at all and turned off the, I don't know, tried to deal in the Winnipeg where there's no internet, like just don't let anyone see a shooting percentage. Yeah, just, like, you got to trade him to somewhere that doesn't have a that doesn't have an analytics department. <laughs> like, yeah. If they've heard, ever heard of PDO, just move on to the next yeah. town because you're not going to get a video. I can imagine that how that dream call goes. Like, before we talk, yeah. have you heard of this new set called PDO? Oh, no, I haven't. Great. Great. Well, let me tell you about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got 15 goals. Like, he's made it. Nobody scores against him. He's a defensive presence. Yes. Not a good one, but a defensive <laughs> presence. Presence defensively. I don't, I mean, I'm. I, I, I don't think it's a bad idea at all to try to deal either of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I think the $6 million, even if you traded... Like, here's the thing. I w- This is how I, I, I've said this in the past. I would feel upset if the Predators traded Tourist for the for the value that, or that Subban got. And actually, now, after a few months, I might not be as opposed to it, just because I think that putting him on the third line with the talent that's around him is just asking him to... Asking yeah. him to leave, just to leave of his own accord. Especially, like, I mean, obviously, he's like the fans have completely soured to him. If you just continue that bad play, like, it's not going to be long before that guy's asking to get out of here. Well, it's just like he's not, he doesn't have a, I mean, he has a fine shot, but he doesn't shoot that often. Like, how many times is he going to pass to Colton Sissons or like Kelly Aaron or Grimaldi or Watson who shoot it wide or right. like shoot it right into the goalie's chest? You're kind of like, what, what is he supposed to do? Like, yeah, he's not setting guys up, but. It's not his fault that people can't hit the net. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I move move either of them. I, just, I don't really care. I think I think Benino is your best move. He actually got Selkie votes this year. Like use oh that to God, your advantage. That's right. Yeah. Like use that to your advantage and try to sell him up. Even if all you get is like a B prospect and like a mid round pick, like fine. Yeah. You can you can use that cap space to do something with it. Which talk you know, Vanek. Spend two or three million dollars on him. I mean, he is actually a power play wizard. I think he would do well for you. I don't know about Pominville. Last time I saw him, he was pretty washed up in Buffalo. But yeah, who is actually like a who is a, a free agent? There are not many. I'll tell you that. Like free agents yeah. right now is pretty much. It's like the, your big ones are like Joe Thornton and uh, yeah, Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe, but both are going to go back to the Sharks. So it's kind of <laughs> like why even try? Like. Derek Broussard, who I, you know, was at one point a good middle six player, but has really trended down in the last few years. I like, Andrew McDonald's a free agent? How did I not know that? How do you, I thought he still had like eight years left on his deal. They, were, they made such a big deal out of it. Well, that's because three years ago he had three years <laughs> on his deal. Like, oh, man. I think at that point he had been like, he had been on that team for like five years. Yeah, I guess you go try out hockey in Russia. Oh, he should. Um... Yeah, the only person I really would would like, uh, Jamie McGinn. I have a soft spot in my heart for Jamie McGinn, and he had seven points in eighteen games, but clearly he's fallen off a bit of a cliff there. I don't. 
Yeah, I'm like I'm looking through this. I don't see anyone that I think would be a good free agent pickup. You'd have to trade, but I don't know who's trying to trade a a bottom six player for a bottom six player that has value. Just you know, somebody drunk at like the next game meeting or whatever. Yeah, yeah why not? Let's yeah, do it. Screw it. Let's see what happens. I thought Nazem Kadri was going to be the player, but yeah. But what's their faces got a better deal? Your Colorado got a better deal for him. All right. So what do you think about Tolvanen and Richard? I mean, they put up fine numbers in the AHL. I don't... What is, it? What is Richard's first name? Anthony. <laughs> Anthony Richard, that's it. Yeah, he came, He got called up for, I think, two, maybe games? two games. I think two games, yeah. really was not very good at all. Granted, they put him on the fourth line, so you kind of like... Yeah, that man, that really... I do feel for the, the Milwaukee players to get called up because they're never given a decent shot. And like, and the worst part, too, is like told me I called up... and. and had like four shots in like five games, and it was just like, and he got that playing with, with Johansson. Yeah. Like, ah, that's tricky. It's not good. So yeah, right now Anthony Richard is twenty two years old, and yeah, he is going to be, yeah, he's going to be twenty three by December. Let's see, he had oh, he had forty seven points in seventy three games. Like that's that's good, but usually players that you think are going to be top six players usually around a point a game at this point, like. He shows progress from the last two years he's been in he's been in the HL, but I just don't necessarily see it all that much. Maybe for a bit, but I you know, you know try it. Maybe in it's the, pre- the show. Yeah, definitely the preseason and maybe in the first first few weeks of the season. Maybe give him a shot with some better players, give him some time with some top six, but you're yeah. never gonna know how good he's gonna be if he's playing with Nick Nino or yeah. Whoever I mean whoever yeah. is fourth I guess it's Nick Vanino now is the fourth line center. And then there's Eli Tolinen, who is twenty years old and just turned twenty. He'll be twenty one in April. So that's good. He had thirty five points in fifty eight games. Oh man, I forgot how bad he was at yeah. the WJC. Like that I remember watching him thinking I someone said he had an injury, but that was never confirmed. Thirty five points in fifty eight games. It's above half a point per game, which is good, but like that guy just screams to me like if he doesn't if he if someone's not passing the puck he's not doing anything like almost somehow more useless than Patrick Laine. Well, yeah, and I don't think anyone like he's not by any stretch supposed to be an equivalent to Patrick Laine, but mm-hmm. similar similar like you saying he's he's not doing much offensively except shooting. Um, Maybe just bring him for the power plays. I just don't. I still haven't seen it. It's like, yeah, and this this will upset people because I know that there are a lot of people that really like Tolan and, and have liked his progress in the AHL. And to me, he's still just a young kind of undersized shooter who needs space, and he's not going to get much of it. And he's yeah. not going to pass very well. It's just he's, he doesn't have that elusive thing that like op- that trait that opens up space for himself. You know what I mean? Like he just because there are small shooters that do really well but it's because they find time and space in the slot and are able to, to make space for themselves. Whereas Tolvanen, I just didn't see it. Now, he could learn to, to do it. Like, it's possible, but he had... I mean, when he was with Joker at that one year, most of his goals came on the power play, and with that bigger ice, he just had so much time. Yeah. That maybe maybe he will be just one of those guys that plays bottom six minutes his entire life, but puts up 10 goals a year on the power play. And, Finds his niche. I'd, yeah, I'd say it's too early to, do, to say. Yeah, anything. I mean he's still super is. young, but I he's think a lot of people have been hyped up about. Again, I think that's very important to remember. He is not 
like a top three, top five pick that fell to Nashville. He was like, you know, in the twenties that fell to thirty. Yeah, yeah, like maybe at best he was he would have gone. No, he really wouldn't have. Maybe like maybe in the top twenty, maybe. Yeah, but he's like he was a he was a very good pickup for Nashville for the draft position they had. But I, it's not fair to expect like revolutionary offense from him. I think if he ever finds himself in a top six, that'd be good for the team. But right now they just don't need him up there. They don't need really any help, anyone up in that top six. It's kind of a too many options at this point, I would say. Um, so I don't know. I don't see either, either certainly not Richard and I don't really see Tolman getting a lot of NHL minutes this year. And I'm yeah. really not trying to upset people and I'm not trying to be this contrarian you know, everything you like sucks, but, you know, everything you like sucks, so. <laughs> I, I, would, I would be happy if he got somewhere between 10, 10 15 games, like, in Anthony Richard, just because I'm in favor of load management, and oh, maybe that's letting fair. Victor Arvidsson and Johansson and Forsberg on off nights sit down for a game wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, the rumor mill would just turn immensely. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. Like, there's just no, I mean, as we've seen, Surely, like, the last couple seasons, last three seasons for Nashville have shown you how little the regular season, like, it doesn't I matter. say the, the regular season does, I think, affect the playoffs in terms of your your fatigue, basically, and your health. So, in that sense, yes, it does make a lot of sense to give some guys a night off. It makes a lot more sense than trying desperately to get those extra points in game, you know, 58 out of 82. Yeah. So. Well. Anyhow, that wraps that up. Yeah, that's all the questions we have, too. So, And, of course, you have been listening to Between the Fangs Podcast, a product of Penalty Boxer Radio. George, where can we find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter, uh, GeorgeM1019. Um, yeah, otherwise, sometimes I write for Penalty Box Radio, sometimes I don't. <laughs> they're they're going to be doing a piece, they're going to be interviewing me and you, actually, on Saturday. Is that right? Yeah, for, uh, for the, coaching. Yeah, the high school coaching well, hot damn, we're we're making it. Yeah, we we made it. This is for me, you can find me on Twitter at waitm one one seven. Waitem got a fancy new profile picture. Uh, as do you, actually. Yeah, you it's went, me, me and my dog. Yeah, you went for the dog. That's a classic move. Oh, classic move. I know. I I know where I stand with most people. Like, yeah. I need the dog. Yeah, <laughs> give me those follows. Anyway, thanks very much for listening and. Uh, Sorry about the extended absence, but also not because forcing content in the summer, I think, is really stupid. Yeah, we're not good enough to do that. No, uh, so we'll, uh, I guess, we'll, are, we, are we back to weekly-ish? I mean, I think until the season starts, weeks. we'll probably do once every two weeks. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. that works for me. See you next time. Yeah. Of silence.